broadcasting live. This is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. I like to smoke them like the wind. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of belief. Honest Abe here with KMA Talk Radio, episode number 401. That's right, 401. Here with my trusty crew, the Italian scallion himself, Paul DeGracco. <laughs> I don't feel like that's catching on. Oh, I love the Italian scallion. <laughs> I told you we should have went with pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. I think I like that. That's why he doesn't want to pick it. And that would be our Southpaw from South Philly, Alex Tavella. What's up, gentlemen? Good morning, good morning. Are we uh, over our Thanksgiving Day um, coma, food coma, or what do you call it? What do you call it when, you, when you zone out on Thanksgiving? I oh, didn't even coma? get one. You didn't? What was that, Paul? So, I, so I'm in uh, South Carolina in Charleston, outside of Charleston, at my father-in-law's house where we do Thanksgiving every year. You know, you've traveled a whole lot during COVID. Well, but only to family members that we know are, are also taking the same precautions. Well, and Disney, but sure, I guess I have. Disney. Yeah, sure, because you're taking great precautions at Disney. <laughs> I, was, I was wearing a mask. I was Purelling. Sure. So. How'd that, how'd that beard work with that mask? Not great. Yeah. Not great. It doesn't. So, um. So, Abe, you probably know this, or maybe you don't. I don't know. But um, when we all sat down at Thanksgiving dinner, uh, we had to feed the baby and get Axel to eat. And Axel's a difficult eater. He used to be the greatest eater in the world. The last, like, two or three months of his life, he just doesn't eat. He hates food. And and for a while, we were just like, listen, he'll eat when he's hungry. But he, he could go four days without food. So Really? Like, yeah, he's he's crazy. And, and he gets irritable. So he gets hangry. So we, we can let him, like, like everybody says, just listen, he'll eat when he's hungry. So put it in front of him for a period of time, then take it away. And then next time, next meal, put it in front. But he gets so irritable and angry, he turns, turns into like Mr. Hyde. So we like kind of have to like. Snicker bar then? <laughs> yeah, I've thought about it. He always wants candy. So, so we, you know, it's a, it's a process feeding him anyway. So everybody was eating dinner and Axel was eating and Eli was eating and my wife and I didn't have plates yet. And then when the baby was finished eating, Stephanie started eating. Everybody, by the time I started eating, everybody was like washing dishes and putting food away. And I was like, wait, hold on. Before you put that away, let me just take a scoop of potatoes. Let me just do. So I ate cold Thanksgiving dinner. Welcome to I, fatherhood, my man. Yeah. And I really didn't yeah. eat like I like I normally do. Like, I, you know, that's like the one day of the year where you kind of, you know, stuff yourself a little bit, maybe feel a little sick after dinner. <laughs> but uh I, I didn't really get any of that. And we haven't had leftovers yet, but I'm looking forward to lunch today. We're going to do a nice little leftover turkey sandwich. The question, I mean, leftovers are, are half of Thanksgiving, turkey clubs. I, and, uh, yeah. yeah I, think, I think they're better. I love leftovers to begin with, so right. I, I'll, I'll enjoy it. Maybe I'll stuff myself today. The question I have for all our viewers today is I really like an honest reply 
How yeah. many of how many of you out there will Al Bundy yourself in front of a couch while guests are over, or you're at a guest house? Now, Paul, <laughs> Paul, I totally got to believe that you were willing to unbutton your pants. Well, I haven't been wearing pants with a button really. Oh, since COVID are you started. are you at the point of elastic now? Yeah, so I have. Wow. So Old Navy sells these pants that look like khakis, but they have elastic at the top and a drawstring and a string. Yes, I have a pair. But, Dude, but they look like khakis. So yes, I, my do. wife bought me like five pairs of them. So I have like five different colors. So I've been wearing those. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I can I, do. I, think I, I can do a whole progression thesis on the evolution of obesity, right? And you're like at stage four now. When you start getting the elastic pants, <laughs> that's like stage four out of like a six stage process. Well, here's the thing. We already have a plan to get back in shape. So, you know, we will do that. You and about 97% of America come Yeah, in. the old plan. <laughs> Listen, I've been a, a relatively thin guy the majority of my life. I've had my ups and downs, but this is by far the heaviest I've ever been. And it's yeah, uncomfortable. Me too. Me it's, too. It's uncomfortable. Like, I feel tired all the time. And I, I really think it's because of the, the extra weight. My back hurts. So <laughs> I really think shame. it's because of the extra weight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jim Miller's acting like he's better than us. He's never done the Al Bundy thing before. Paul used to do it in the studio. Paul I'd would never come, put, no, well, <laughs> put your hand on, unbutton your pants during the show. Yeah, that's true. That's Especially true. when we had bagels. Cause I, I can't control myself when I, when there's bagels and I'm around you guys because I don't really care. Like, you're not going to say anything if I have three bagels. So I, there were times I've had three bagels in front of you and Adam and uh, I had to unbutton my, my jeans. He'll sit there. <laughs> he would, Alex. He'd sit there in the studio and he would unbutton his pants. It's like that uh, It's like that scene in Casino when Robert De Niro is doing the interview and under the desk he has, like, no pants on with his dress shirt. I've done interviews that way. For, I do meetings for work. Dress shirt and underwear. Remote. Yeah, I did. I, actually, a funny story is I interviewed before I moved to Florida. I interviewed with Disney for a pretty high level marketing job for their um, for their uh, what's it called? They have a, an agency that's an in-house agency called Yellow Shoes Creative. And I put on a full like I had a jacket, a tie, a dress shirt and underwear. And I did the whole interview like this in a, in a suit jacket, a tie and a shirt and, and in my underwear. It was the most freeing thing I've ever done in my life. It was awesome. I didn't get the job. I'm really surprised during COVID, nobody's like invented the one piece suit. Oh, I mean, like a one. Like, like it's all connected. It looks like a suit, tie, collar, just it zips up underneath the tie. Oh. You drop it over your head. You got a suit. Like a onesie. That's that's actually a great idea. I'm shocked no one's done it. I'm pretty sure suit. I can't fit into any. I I probably have. I threw out a lot of suit or donated a lot of suits when I moved here because obviously I wasn't going to wear a suit every day in Florida. But I probably have six suits at my house still, and I, I'm ninety percent sure that I can't fit into any of them. I, but they, I always make the tailor leave room. I don't know if you guys do that, but when I buy a new suit, I make sure that they leave a, a couple inches for it to be let out. No, see, Paul, that's when you get to stage sticks, where I've been at. See, when you get to stage sticks, you have eight suits in your closet, but they're all three or four different sizes. <laughs> so you have the spectrum. Uh of, of, I do. I have a I have a skinny suit, like a, a, a like when I'm a thin suit. Yeah, my gray suit is like that. There's no chance I could put. That's probably like a thirty waist. All right. So listen, 
here's my question. Do you guys, uh, this is me, it's what I do. I don't know if it's just a me thing, but do you have shirts in your closet that you refuse to throw away as motivation that one day you'll fit back into them? I have a whole wardrobe. Since I was about <laughs> 12 years old. So I'm getting back into this shirt. Right. I'm going to get back into this. Listen to me. My first girlfriend. So like my first like legitimate girlfriend. Um, I think it was junior year in high school. The, her mom got me a sweater for Christmas, a nice sweater name brand. I can't remember what it was, you know, and it stayed in that name brand box and whatever for years. I think I finished. I think like I moved away from home when I finally threw that box out. <laughs> Never got in that sweater once. Right. Yeah, it's depressing sometimes. Well, I had the, the eternal chase for 300. <laughs> I haven't been below 300 since I've been, since I was a junior. In high school. Oh, I thought you. I thought you were the when we first met. I thought when you when you the lowest I got to was three eighteen when I got married. Okay, yeah, you looked good at and your wedding pictures actually. I I I have to say, but but you know it's all in perspective too because you're a big guy to begin with. So when you're thin, you're still a you're still a big guy. There's there's such a thing as big boned. I mean, oh yeah, no one's ever gonna say that's a small dude, no matter what I weigh. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But yeah, the eternal chase for three hundred. But I, I'm 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 going to call it now on KMA Radio. Twenty twenty one is the year. What do we have a date? No, you should set a date. Set no. a month. No, <laughs> set a deadline. Twenty twenty one. I just did. Now what, what, what do you mean? Gotta... It's three hundred sixty five days in it's a year. One hundred twenty pounds. That's still the first fifty lose, sheds lose... like like water. Okay, like water, Mister Water. <laughs> But no, that, that, that's my goal. 2021 It's going to happen. And I'll throw the most epic party. Like the last epic party I threw was my 30th birthday. That was like pretty epic. Oh, that's a long time ago. Yeah, it was. It, let me tell you something. The guys down here, some of the guys are still talking about that party. <laughs> my, 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 my wife, that was not my wife, then blew me off that night. She says she didn't, but she claimed she had to babysit her roommate's daughter. The babysitter didn't show up. So yeah, I you've talked that about night. that story. Yeah, I remember that night vividly. But yeah, that was like the most epic party ever. If I, if I, if I reach that 300 pinnacle, I'm going to throw a huge, I huge can't wait. I've party. never been to one of your epic parties. I didn't know you when you were 30. Well, I saw the Great Smoke every year. That's a pretty epic party. Oh, those are pretty fun. I'm actually really looking forward to uh, to this year's Great Smoke. I don't know. I, I Well, we, we can talk. Am I going to – should I be there? Oh yeah! Can I be there? Yeah, absolutely. Is that, that's allowed. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'll be there. we're gonna put you to work. You'll be on the can calls. Uh, yes, right, man. Let's go. Hi, yes. Mrs. Paul. Can't take you on it, <laughs> dude. I'm a great CSR. <laughs> you, I might not want to do too well. You make me sit there full time. You get well, to this gig. The great listen. We we've already sold hundreds and hundreds of tickets. So these parties in the boxes are 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 going to be going out all over the country in February, but. Um, we started working on the set, which is kind of bringing it to life, you know, actually seeing the sets now being designed and what's going to be the background for the show. And we've seen now the producers layout of the floor and the, where the big boom cam is going to be, where the, the trailer hanging cam is going to be, where the two floor guys. Like, now it's like real. It's getting there, man. It's getting there. My, my only like major fear is a, a technical issue of the day, you know, but there's nothing you can do about that, man. We're rolling the dice. Yeah, Listen, worst come to worst, we'll get them phones out and just keep on, keep going. One way or another, it's going out. Hold on, I'm gonna get. I have a picture of the party in the box. I think, yeah, here it is. 
I want to show it because it's it's pretty epic, actually. Oh yeah, we got the forty cigars listed out there now, so they're all like listed on a website. I mean, there are oh, 40, that's like, cool. They are forty top notch cigars, and you know we're still doing deals. Like I said, I've been working with this sausage company. I mentioned it in La Zona Palooza. They they're coming out with this world premiere, this Wagyu certain kind of sausage they've never made before. So oh. we're trying to work with them so that we can get one of these sausages in everybody's box and um, hopefully do like the world premiere during the Great Smoke. It's Abe Froman you're working with, right? Abe Froman from Chicago, see? <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. You know his sausage guy? Oh, yeah. He's legendary. <laughs> Paul, 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 Paul is clearly me. not in on the joke. I mean, please tell me you didn't miss the reference there. Uh, I think I did. Abe Froman? Oh. Sausage King? Chicago? No? Okay. What is that from now? Let our loyal Paul, listeners Paul fill you in. dude. Really? Seriously? Um, Seriously? Um, are you Don't Googling it? Oh, Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Oh, yes, I do remember Abe that. Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago. There you go, everybody. Oh, now Curtis is making me feel Yeah, they're all wowing you now, Paul. Right. <laughs> so, I have to – I'm going to talk about this first on KMA Talk Radio, and I'll make a post later. But uh -oh. very early this morning, like before I, like I woke up, look what I managed to earn this morning. Ah, uh, here we go. Oh, boy. Hold it up higher. Oh, boy. Is that Alex? Yeah. Yes, that is me. About, about what? There it is. Uh, about it. Yes, we can talk about it. About an individual employee, right, who is basically the bottleneck of the entire company, who 29 out of 30 times I would have won this bet. So we got a lot going on today. Cigar the month is going out. doesn't matter. It's a Saturday. It's Black Friday sale. Pete committed to getting here at 6 a.m., right? Okay. Now the guy I doesn't even usually get here. Off. The guy doesn't usually get here at eight a.m., let alone six a.m. So I said, "There's no chance that he gets here before six That was my. I was. I figured this is this is my William Cooper Stone Cold Lead Lock of the Week. Listen in me. my mind, I, I I I said, "Give me till six twenty. Right. The guy shows up at five fifty-eight for some odd fucking reason. And wow. I just add another bill to the list. Uh, it's not my first. It won't be my last. No, I checked Abe's text messages. I said, you better not have coerced this bet or did some behind-the-scenes shit. Yeah, so for people, something. For any yeah. of our fans who are new and don't know, what I like to do, because growing up, it's you know it's such a common phrase amongst friends. You want to bet? You want to bet? So I would win all these you want to bets and never have nothing to show for it. So a few years ago, I started this thing now. When you lose a bet to me, you have to sign the bill. I was right, and you were wrong. These are all fine. There's a couple of 50s in there too, right? That was the best one. This is my favorite one. Abe, you were right. This is a guy who's a matron D of an establishment here in Florida who opened the restaurant up. And I made him a bet what year the restaurant opened up. And he was there. Oh, he was there when it opened? He opened the restaurant up. He was there the day it opened. Oh, my God. He trained it. But what was there when they built it? And I moved to Florida in 1998 and my friends took me out to dinner there the first week i was here so i told them the place opened in it had to be open in 1998 they go, no no we didn't open until 1999 i said dude i will give you a 10 to 1 bet but you gotta bet a minimum of 50 bucks and he bet me and he lost he called the owner wow that, that's, em my, that's embarrassing this is my favorite one that's embarrassing. Do you st is that restaurant still in existence? Yeah, it's Rachel's. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Great. Yeah. 
You know, well, I used to live. I used to live almost walking distance to Rachel's, and I still have never gone. Oh, does, well, take you guys to dinner there. It's really good dinner. Does Paul have any bills? I don't know, Paul. Do you have any in this collection? Uh, I think I have two. I'll tell you what pains me more than losing. What pains me more than losing, and the whole signing thing is, a couple weeks ago we were going to bet, and I would have been right, but I didn't have the balls to bet. No balls, no glory. Pains me more just as much as, as signing a bill. Yep, me too. There, there's been a couple that I would have been right Right, on. when you're like, I'm, I was ballless, right. <laughs> I've bet Abe three times. One of the three, we called it a draw, but the other two, I lost. Draw's <laughs> not bad. Draw's not bad. Don't tell, I, me the, don't tell me the kiss one was the draw. Yeah, we decided with... with oh, that was a cop You lost that one. See, that well, was going to say, because Abe is such a manipulator, there are no draws. There, he always... Even when it's like... He agrees. He agrees. Yeah. Not only did Paul lose that one, I think we talked about it in KMA, everybody agreed with me that Paul lost that one. I mean, he lost it, but he was hanging on to some thread of something. Some technicality of some sort? Totally lost yeah. it. <laughs> Can't let it go. No. I should have never brought it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna get text messages all week about it. You know, you probably still owe me that dollar. <laughs> also, Jeff Walsh wants to make you a bet for tonight's fight with Tyson. Oh, that's good. Who do you? I mean, I'm I'm. Are you watching the fight, Paul? Uh, I think my father-in-law does want to watch it, so I think we might get the pay-per-view. It's fifty. Bucks. We have it. We have it at both the shops. No cover. Yes, we do. Yeah, I'm in I'm in Charleston. Oh, that's yeah, right. right there. Right. <laughs> I mean, I hate this fight. Why? Why? Because I have no interest in watching fifty-year-old Mike Tyson. Okay, but hold who, on, hold on. Okay, These are two on. exceptionally fit fifty-year-olds. And Foreman yeah. fought. Foreman fought. In Listen, steroids are a hell of a drug. Let me tell you, Mike Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson currently weighs two hundred and twenty pounds. He weighed in last night, which is a pound less than he weighed when he won his first title in nineteen eighty six. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Why are you supposed to get old and fat? I, I, yeah, yeah, you are. At fifty, yeah, you don't. Not you don't you shed. Your Bill. He did get old and fat, and then he lost the weight. Right. He was fat on, for a little on while. On top of that, no, I have no interest in watching Mike Tyson at fifty. Roy Jones, the most overrated boxer in history at 50. Really? You yeah. don't think pound for pound Roy Jones Jr. was a great boxer? No, not not at all. Oh, I uh, Listen, he was great at, at his time, but in, yeah. in the spectrum of boxing, no, I don't consider Roy Jones one of the all-time great. Because the minute I, he lost half a step, that he was getting knocked out by lesser opponent, opponents wait, left okay. and right. But let's just talk about his record because I read this last night. He had mm -hmm. 75 fights. He won mm -hmm. 66 and lost nine in yes. his entire career. Correct. Of those 75 fights, the last 15 that he's been fighting in Germany against plumbers, electricians, and carpenters <laughs> don't really count. Of those wins, now I got to remember, I'm a boxing guy. Of those wins, there's maybe three Hall of Famers. So. The level of competition wasn't really there, and of the nine, of the nine losses, he got knocked out. Six of them, like knocked out. What? And yeah, and you can't really bet this fight either. Well, there's different um, rules, right? Well, it's not just that. I don't think they actually have official scorecards. What? Okay. Um, what? What? 
are they playing like a normal like how many rounds? Is this like a normal bout? No, eight no. rounds and they're two minute rounds. Two minutes instead of three minutes. because yeah, they're fifty. <laughs> I want to see you get in the ring at fifty. Fight it all, Alex. Oh, well, I am watching it because the place that I choose to hang out on the weekends happens to be having the fight on. But if I had to kick out fifty, at minimum, I mean, had to, I'd find some Russian gambling site to stream it on for free. I wouldn't pay for this. <laughs> I'm mean, interested in the undercard. On the undercard, there is a YouTuber, like literally a YouTube streamer, fighting an ex-NBA player. Like this is this is what this is. This is not a real. Well, fight. it's entertainment. It's entertainment. You know what? I'll watch wrestling. That's entertaining. Unless they come out and like you know Donald Trump pops up from uh, the ring and the Undertaker, you know it's it's the same thing minus the theatrics of wrestling. Uh, were you were you a WWE guy? I was, but really? I was more an ECW guy. Shout out to Derek Dukes because that was kind of based your in Philadelphia. Home, yeah, your home area. Yeah, he's a Derek Dukes is originally a Jersey guy, right? Yeah, and he's, you know, part of that underground. EC, ECW was like, you know, guys, there was like WWF, and then there was these guys like hitting each other in the head with hammers and, and you know, yeah. Bob Wire, like like almost really dying, not like yeah, yeah. acting dying. Throwing thumbtacks in the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah thumbtacks, right, right. Well, I just hope it's an entertaining fight. Nah, I don't Are you going to watch it, Abe? Yeah, yeah, we're going to go to one of the shops. I think we're going to go to West Great. Palm. Yeah, man, I, I, I think it'll be... Coop is correcting people. It's not being scored by official judges. It's being scored by like uh, three three judges, three celebrity judges or something. Coop. (laughs) Well, we'll talk to him when he comes on later. Oh, yeah. There's one other thing I wanted to talk about today Uh because it's been all over. It's been all over the news. Have you guys seen this video with the guy? The gator guy? Yeah. The four foot alligator. I'm telling you, that's the best comment I saw on Facebook. Like, everybody in the country's like, wow. And people are floored, like, dude, that was a four-footer. <laughs> like, Come on. But he never dropped his cigar once. Never Came dropped his cigar. Saw, you got it? Play it. Yeah, I got it. All right, let's play it. Then he has to take his hands out of the gator's mouth. Well, that's the trick, getting your hands out before it can snap right. out of Right. Well, so so he had more damage to his hands than the dog had to its body. And I will I will tell you, I did find him. I did leave him two voicemails and text him twice as well. We haven't gotten a response yet. But our friends over at Espinosa Cigars yes. were so impressed by that video, they sent him like a big-ass care package. So I was talking to Jack tonight. He's like, I don't have his phone number, but based on his address, I was able to find his phone number. But we haven't gotten him yet. Maybe well, next week. Give me his address. We'll send him a box of cigars and a caveman care package, and we'll invite him on the show. Right. Perfect. I'd love I want to know what he did with the alligator. I want to know what he did with the alligator, too. I mean, if it's me, I, that's that's a fucking trophy. That's going on my wall. I'm yeah, nobody's talking about it, so yeah, I'm nobody... assuming he killed it. Right. Well, I mean, that thing would be well, on my wall. It, it's it's not that easy unless he killed it while he was holding it. Because if you get your hands out of there, that gator's gone. Right. 
you're not catching that gator. So, you know, I, I, I just would like, you know, maybe just drop my 400 pound body on it and that would be enough. Smother. Uh, Rick, Rick Green says he lives in Estero where the guy lives and he said he threw it back. Rick, if you know the guy, PM uh, KMA Talk Radio, PM me and we'll, we'll chat. We want to get him on. Uh, <laughs> ben saying he probably <laughs> ate it. <laughs> Typical Florida man. Right. Gator fingers. Absolutely. <laughs> Gator fingers. I feel like AJ Smokes would be a guy that would probably cut that thing up and grill it that night. You know, Vinny, Vinny's wrestled gators. Yeah, Vinny's a gator guy. He hangs with Wait, those gators. Oh, you don't know this? Oh, Vinny, Vinny and Del Rey? Hold on. No, no, Vinny, Vinny is friends. Right. Go ahead. I'll let Abe tell it. Well, I don't know who he's friends with, but Vinny is like, uh, who's that guy that died from the Stingray? Steve, Steve Irwin. Irwin. Yeah. Vinny's like Steve Irwin, dude. He wrestled But gators. no. Vinny, Snake, you know that. He's a snake wrangler. Yeah. You know that what? what was the guys they had a TV show, like the Gator Boys or something? Billy Swan. Yeah. Vinny's like friends with those guys. He goes what out is there. Vinny from Brooklyn? Vinny, please, let's not get Vinny into Vinny's. He's such an anomaly. You know we, we should get Vinny on the show one. That's what I said earlier. Vinny's like the weirdest guy. Like, he's got the mafia friends. He's got the gator friends. Yeah, he's, he's got, such a strange you know, guy. Yeah, he's so many angles to Vinny. He knows a lot of the pro ball players that I know from my time in the in the independent leagues. He's like, oh, yeah, I know. I knew Gary Carter. I'm like, what? How, how did you know Gary Carter? He, he knows a lot of people, man. And he's just that, an odd guy, man. You know, remember, you know, that's how we got Big Tom, Big Time Tommy on the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Sal Valentinetti. In Sal Valentinetti. So Big Time Tommy now, from what I understand, is coming out with his own cigar made by Asylum. Yes, I heard about it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, we'll so, have to have him on again. He's a good yes, guy. Yeah. He was fun to talk to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he'll want to pimp his cigar. I don't think he. Uh, I don't think he came down to Florida this year because of COVID. I think he's still up on. He, he's going to be here in a month. Or oh, he is coming. Yeah, like January. Yeah. I talked to him a couple months ago. He said he was laying low for a while. Uh, Vinny AJ's asking for Vinny because Vinny doesn't watch the show live. But Vinny's it's sweet. so Vinny. Yeah, it's so it's so funny to me because Vinny comes in in like you know like Adidas pants and a and a white t shirt with white tennis shoes. I can't imagine him going anywhere near where an animal would be. Let me tell you something. He is wrestled. I'm not chain. Wait, I'm not talking four foot gators. No, like, yeah. You know, life size, like full adult size gators. He's he's he wrangles poisonous snakes. You know, wow. he, yeah. Whoever the guys were that had the show on Discovery, I think it was like Gator Boys or something. I mean, they, these guys yeah. are Vinny's friends. They go go to the ever and chase alligators. I mean, yeah, Vinny's just a strange mix of things. The Brooklyn, yeah, you know, that doesn't that wait. Greaseball, oh, Brooklyn, and. His brother, his his cousin, I forget who his cousin is. His cousin's um, his cousin's uh, a director makes movies. So Vinny's been in movies with like um, Pussy and uh, well, uh, wait, time out. He cameo. Almost, he almost no no. From what I understand, up on the editing floor. Vinny was on the fifth episode. And I believe the show only made it to four episodes. Oh, <laughs> I no. I, I got to fact check that, but I remember at the time the fifth, the fifth episode was a little iffy. I don't know if Vinny made the actual big screen. I, that's happened to me so many times in my in my career, and I didn't know anybody. Where, like, I was on Chappelle's show for two episodes. Guess what? None of it ever aired. Then I got excited. I was like, well, when, when people got the DVD box sets, I'm like, I'm sure the deleted scenes are in there because Janine Garoppolo so was in the scene. Nope, they were not in there. 
Uh, it's like three days of shooting of my. But listen, I got craft services, so it was it was worth it. I got. Oh man, you don't you don't know what it's like to be on a TV set, even uh, for even for a featured extra, man. The food uh, actually, is unbelievable. I know. It's oh, like that's right. You on a movie set. Thank you very that's much. Right. Not a TV set. Boom. Well, it is. It is unbelievable. The food is awesome. They treat you like a king. They pay you a lot of money. I think I got a thousand bucks a day to sit around for three hours a day. It was awesome. In fact, so, in fact, Sean Austin is a big cigar guy. He was actually a very, very nice guy. We should get really? him on the show. Yeah. You got you have his number, I'm assuming. Um, I know how to get a hold of him. Yeah, well, let's let's get on that, man. Let's I don't want to talk Mr. about Booker. the movie yet, but you know, um, yeah, it's gonna it, it should be good. Yeah, he was on the set and he was actually that's that's who's in my scene. Oh yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. It was a very, very cool scene. So, um, oh, that's cool, man. Hopefully, hopefully it'll air. I don't think it'll make it this year. Um, last time I talked, they were still in the editing room. So, hopefully, early next year it'll be out. Post production takes a long time, man. People don't Dude, realize that it's been a long time. It's been a real long time. Because when we were doing when we were doing the scene I was in, it was really coming toward like the last few shots. You know, I remember when you did it. But I got to meet Judd Hirsch, which was cool. And cool. Uh, yeah, because Taxi was one of my favorite shows growing up. Still is one of my all-time favorite shows, Taxi. Um, and then a lot, um, of, lot of legends in that show. A lot of legends. And, and Andy DeVito. Listen to me. Um, uh, the, the woman that played Andy Kaufman's wife, I forget her name. I, I don't know her name either, but the blonde chick. Yeah, she was the fairy in in the in the Bill Murray version of Scroo Scrooge. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. He played Judge Hurt's wife, so she was on the set with Judd Hirsch with Sean Austin. Asked when we did our whole scene that day. It was pretty cool. Wow, yeah, it was pretty cool. pretty cool, man. Right, so I've had craft services. Thank you. Very Carol much. Kane is that Carol Kane? Carol Kane. Yes, uh, Carol Kane. So that yeah, was pretty cool. Heard that name in a long time. But it'll be it'll be it'll be good for the cigar industry. It's a very cigar centric show. Um, there were a bunch of other guys in the scene with me. I think uh, it was um, Jeff Borchwitz from Corona was in it. Uh, Ryan Leeds from uh, Empire Cigars. Christian Aroa. Eric Espinosa. Oh, wow. Trying to think who else. I know. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but yeah, it was a, it was a fun day. I, you know, I used to love Taxi as a kid. It was on Nick at Night. I didn't see it when it was originally airing, obviously, because I'm a young man. But, uh, I used to love the opening to Taxi because the 59th Street Bridge is like when you're when you're a local New Yorker, especially a bridge and tunnel guy, that you go out of your way to take the 59th Street Bridge so you don't have to have to pay for the tunnel or any of the other bridges because it's free. So that's where all the taxis go. That's why they that's why it was the opening of that of that scene. But what a what um what a uh epic movie song, no lyrics, nothing, simple tune and like you can never forget that intro to Taxi. I mean, it's great. It's great. It's it, was, great. it was a good show, too, though. Do you know Andy what Danny was one of my first, heroes? First, uh, you know, role was? Was it in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Mm. I think I knew that. Which, by the way, young Danny DeVito is weird looking. In the, and he's very, very... That's another movie... That all these legends, all these comedy legends are. Yeah. In. I mean, Jack Nicholson. That was probably his his biggest role up to, up to that point. At that oh, point, yeah. sure, yeah, absolutely. Classic. Yeah, that's a, Classic. that is a great move. My wife actually, it's funny because we brought that movie up last night, sitting in front of the fire, smoking cigars, 
in uh, Charleston while we were freezing our asses off. It was 58 degrees. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we, I, I, I quoted something, put it in the basket, chief, or you know, one of the quotes from the movie. Yeah. Nobody, I like to bet my sister-in-law and my wife what if they know what something's from. And Do you I, make them sign a bill? Do you make them sign a bill? I, I mean, they never pay me. So if they did pay me, yeah, I would make them sign the damn bill. Uh, but they didn't, nobody knew. And my wife told me that she never saw one flew over the Patriots nest or Shawshank Redemption. And I'm like, this this marriage cannot continue until we watch those. So last night it got too late. But one flew over the night. cuckoo's nest. I can understand. Shawshank Redemption. I feel like is on one channel or another. At oh, every it's... given second on TV, some channel right now is playing Shawshank Redemption. It's like The Godfather. It's always it's on. It's just always on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how she hasn't seen it, but I, I quoted that too. I was like, "Get busy living or get busy dying." And she, I was like, "If you guys can tell me what movie that's from, I'll give you all the money that's in my wallet." I don't know what's in there. It might be like forty bucks, but I'll give you all. The... They couldn't. They were guessing r ridiculous, stupid movies. I can never do quotes with my wife because she isn't like no. Anything. But does she watch the movies at least? I will tell you, there's not a week that goes by where there's some like classic movie reference. I'm like, you don't get it, and it and it, it, kill, it pains me. And I think I did. I, there was a Facebook post about this. Like, I'm not the only guy out there. Like, when my wife doesn't know, like, how have you existed right. and not seen this movie? Maybe right? that's why our wives get along. Because so what I can do, what I can do with my wife though is, my wife's really good when we're watching a movie. I'm like, who is that? Where is that person from? And she always knows. Like I used to be good at that. I'm I'm getting really really bad now. Like like I used to always win at that. Now like I, I'm gonna ask her I'm like who is that because I don't see it anymore. I just started watching Sherlock Holmes on Netflix, which by the way, oddly enough, I've never realized until recently. Like I'm a huge Sherlock Holmes fan, and I've always been like one of the first books I remember reading as a kid was The Hounds of Bakersfield. So like. Yeah, I, and I watched all the Robert Downey Jr. movies. I loved Elementary on TV, and now I go and I just it never dawned upon it didn't me. Click. Yeah, that I was such a Sherlock Holmes fan because I really am a hardcore Sherlock Holmes fan. So like, I read now the books as a kid, and they were they're that's actually a good. They, there's a there's a collected works of the Sherlock Holmes stories. It's like this thick, but for your daughter that's getting into that type of mm -hmm. literature, it's double column reading. It's not it's not easy, but. I read those as probably at like nine or ten years old. Awesome, awesome stories. I mean, like glued to the pages reading. Well, like now, to me now one of my things is I want to go to two two one B Baker Street, which is technically not really the address, but they've made it like the official address of that street now. The official, yeah. Yeah, it's like the Sherlock Holmes Museum there. You know, because that's you know, you know what's so random? The guy from that video just texted me. No, get out of here. Maybe we can get oh, him out of here. Paul, hello. Come on. Just read the damn text, will you? Oh, he said, well, I, I sent him an e a text last night that said, is this the Richard Wilbanks uh, who saved his dog from the gator? And he just texted me back. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And? Very, very laconic of him. And? I, I'm asking him now. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to do a show and text this guy right now. I don't think this guy's going to have the capability of getting on the radio show <laughs> at this he moment. Has, he has a smartphone. That's all he needs. Yeah, and a little direction. That's funny. But anyway, so I'm watching this 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 episode, and it's got another another great actor 
um, from uh, I forget his name. He's really really good from Lord of the Rings and uh, the the first season of Fargo. But I'm watching this, and I'm like three episodes in before I realize that Sherlock Holmes is the guy is Doctor Strange from the Avengers. Mm. Like ah. I, I didn't catch it. It's Cumberbatch, and I didn't I didn't even catch it. Like Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, I don't know how I missed it. You know, I mean, of course, being British and having long black locks threw me off a little bit. But Jesus, I'm getting like really bad at that. <laughs> He's a uh, uh, funny. I watched a Benedict Cumberbatch movie uh, this weekend too, but it was the new Grinch animated series or movie. But he's in it too. He does a good American accent too, by the way. Speaking of movies, I'm curious. Are they like hoarding all the releases that were going to come out in the last year? Is it all going to come out at once? Some of them are going to still be released digitally where you have to pay. Like that's what Disney's been doing. Where oh, but they haven't you have Disney that Plus. Yet. I figured they would have started. No, they- they did. Mulan was released, and you had to pay like an extra twenty five dollars. Okay, okay. So listen, I may have seen four or five of them. Yeah, Universal. Dude, there's like there would have been like sixty new movies out, eight right. movies out by now. Hey, can can we can we bring this guy on now? I know we have Ian waiting, but he's yeah, bring him on. Out. Absolutely. What's his name? Richard Wilbanks. I love this. We've got an exclusive here. I'll be more. I'll be extremely more impressed if he remembers what cigar he was smoking when he went down. He'll know. He a guy that that holds a cigar in his mouth while he's rescuing his dog from a gator. He knows what cigar he's. Smoking. He knows what bundle now the, it is. Now the exactly that's the question. What? Yeah. What do you? Oh, guys it's think a bundle. He comes it's in? some kind of bundle. I see machine made. I think so too. I uh, yeah. I don't. What's... I don't think it's anything. Uh... I think it's mass market. I, I what, so do you have a a, a pick? Garcia. Vega. No, what's the Fuente bundle? Are you talking about Quorum? Quorum. That's J.C. Newman. J.C. Newman. I was going to say a J.C. Newman cigar. I'm going Quorum. Two to three dollars stick. AJ so you think it's thing. cigar shop cigar? Who? You. I mean, Quorum's a bundle. You can order I mean, anywhere. It's a bundle you're not going to find at a convenience store. Yeah. So you're thinking, you're thinking like uh, White Owl, Garcia Vega. It could be. Let's let's see. I don't. I mean, watch him say Padron. I'll fall out of my chair. Absolutely. Well, he 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 didn't let it drop, so maybe it was something worth holding on to. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I remember my grandfather used to smoke like um, uh, uh, butter and What were they? No, 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 no. It, that wasn't my uh, Italian grandfather. It was my uh, German grandfather. What was it? Did they make a, a Romeo and Julieta uh, machine-made cigar? Like a cheapo? He, I know he smoked Garcia y Vegas, but I just remember him. I, he would be washing the boat and getting soaking wet with the, with the water splashing back on him and still have the cigar and it would stay lit. I mean, it, he just always had a cigar in his mouth. My mom's dad. And that was those were he never smoked expensive cigars unless somebody gave them to him and he had money. Uh, he just never I don't know if he just didn't see the the value in it. You know, some, I, he said he said he can come on if it's quick and and I said yeah yeah yeah, yeah. get him in. I'm waiting I'm waiting for him to come in. I have little faith in Paul pulling this off. He could barely get Jonathan Drew connected last week, let alone this poor guy. Maybe, maybe he has to put a dude. Jonathan Drew was not <laughs> <his> fault. <laughs> That's one we should have had the pre-recording recorded because that was a debacle. I know, but those are never fun. No, it was fun for me because it wasn't my problem. 
pre-recording. It's not. What do you mean? It's not, he's saying what? pre-recording a show is not the same. It doesn't come off the same as a live show. No, I mean we should have had the behind-the-scenes pre-recording oh, yeah, like we did with Espinosa. Yeah. yeah. Well, he specifically asked. He goes, "We're not being recorded." Right. <laughs> oh, mama mia, mama mia. Is the so legend. I think whenever we say that name, I should play that. Well, he let's should. do this. He says he's coming on, but he hasn't. I don't see him in the chat here. So why don't we bring in our meet your maker guest? And if uh, Richard pops on, we can we can pop him on. I'm sure our guests would like to meet him too. I showed him the sure. video this morning. So uh, from Dapper Cigar Co. all the way from the west coast of the country. We have to uh, clarify that because in Florida, if you're not in Florida, people say, "Hey, I'm going to the West Coast tomorrow." Yeah, I think you're in Naples. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you think they mean California, and they actually mean you know Naples or. Oh wait, right. you know what? Oh, we got that's Coop coming on. Uh, all right, so let's grab uh, Ian. We have Ian Reith of Dapper Cigar Co. Ian, welcome to KMA Talk Radio. Good morning. Morning. Thanks for having me, guys. It's nice and early there for you, huh? It's. Yeah, it's a little early for me. Yeah, good though. <laughs> Get some paperwork done. There you go. <laughs> so, Ian, we were we were discussing. You know, it's it's rare for us on the show when we bring on somebody that we either haven't haven't either met before or heard of before. Um, I think I think a few people have mentioned the brand to me in the past, but we really don't know a lot about you or your story or or anything about. Uh, the the cigars. So why don't you why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Dapper Cigar Company and and you know what what you guys stand for, what you produce, and and uh, and we'll take it from there and, and talk about how you got involved in the business. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, traditionally I'm uh, in a uh, I, I'm a tech person, so I'm uh, I've been in the computer IT kind of business for basically my entire adult life. Uh, based out in California, I'm actually in Central. California, Fresno, California, right in the middle of the state. Um, I got into uh, cigars um, uh, probably during college, maybe my sophomore, junior year. I was working throughout uh, going to college. And, uh, um, you know, I just, a buddy of mine just kind of got me to go to a cigar lounge. And uh, I was, uh, you know, working, going to school. So it was was a real stressful kind of time for me. And, I just uh, really dug and loved the cigar culture, um, cigar stores. And, um, you know, probably after about four or five years, uh, six years of going to cigar stores pretty religiously, a couple times a week, two or three times a week, I uh, decided that I wanted to see what it would take to kind of make some cigars and maybe just make one cigar or two and uh, see what that whole process was like. And um, in about 2012, uh, 2011, 2012 is when I started to go down to, uh, Nicaragua, uh, absolutely Nicaragua to specifically learn a little bit more about, uh, tobacco and cigar industry. And, um, officially, um, I think it was 2014, January 1st, 2014 is when I actually filed, uh, my company, uh, Dapper Cigar Company. And, and that's when I kind of, uh, got serious about it. So when you were going down, go ahead, Dave, go ahead. You down in Nicaragua as part of a cigar group, or did you go specifically to learn about cigars? That was my I've gone on a couple manufacturer trips. I've I've gone to the the Drew Estate one way back then. I've also gone 
separately for uh, uh, just checking out factories. Uh, but then after, shortly after that, um, I uh, began just going down there either by myself or with, you know, with a friend that was kind of interested or had some time off and, and wanted to check it out. Um, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I've, I've been to both. Um, I've been to manufacturer trips, but uh, I kind of just really snuck in on the manufacturer trips just to kind of see what, you know, what was going on and see uh, how they were making uh, uh, cigars at their were particular thinking, factories. Were you thinking at the time that you might want to do this crazy thing or were you just kind of going down there just to see what it was like? And No, absolutely. Yeah, I was, I, I you know, I really wanted to, to just kind of make one cigar, uh, which sounds kind of, you know, trivial, but um, I, I, I really wanted to do it correctly. I wanted to, uh, you know, I, I wanted to make a cigar that would look like it should sit on a store uh, okay. shelf. You know, I'm going mean, to interrupt you for one for one second because we have sure. uh, we have Richard Wilbanks with us, the man, the brave man oh, that nice. saved his dog from the Gator in Estero, Florida. Richard, welcome to KMA Talk Radio. Good morning. So we have one question for you because we are a cigar centric uh, show, sir. What was the cigar that you had in your mouth while you were while you were bravely sa- saving Gunner from that Gator? Good job, Paul. <laughs> Hold on, we, we lost you for a second there, Richard. Are you with us? There he is. It's coming back. Excellent, Paul. Maybe not. <laughs> we have the first we have the first exclusive here. At, oh, now we can hear you, Richard. Try it now. Fantastic, Paul. All right. So we will come back to Richard. Can you hear us, Richard? <laughs> Technology is such a bitch. <laughs> you got an, you got an IT specialist on, on. Right, right. We should have asked him to do it. Hold on, he's getting he's reading Richard. now. There you are, Richard. We can hear you. Oh. I guess he can't hear us. Well. Richard, if, if you want to text me what the cigar was, we were just interested. I, we can't hear you. or Paul, really, the, the, Paul why don't yes. you try to reach out to him after the show and just do a, a little recorded interview, do some questions, because I'd like to know how it happened, what went through his mind, you know, and then we can air it next week. Yeah, we can we can do that. I'll uh, I'll I'll chat with him. I'm I apologize for interrupting your uh, your story, Ian. <laughs> We had, we had breaking people. news in the cigar world. Uh, so, so, okay, so. So you're going down to Nicaragua. You're looking at one. You're, you're, you're thinking about making like your kind of like yourself, your own little small batch to have kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just thought, you know, I, and, and, you know, mind you, I, I had no idea of scale. So, uh, you know. I oftentimes I would go down there and I would just try to, you know, I want to make some cigars and, you know, they, uh, obviously a lot of people, you know, try to take advantage of you. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it's just your common question is, well, how many cigars do you want to make? I don't know. How about, uh, you know, how about thousands? 
you know, and they're like, a ah, thousand, I don't know about that, you know? And so right. I initially started making about 10, <laughs> excuse me, about 10,000 cigars and 5,000 in the first batch. And, um, uh, you know, it's it, not just the cigar making process, but everything kind of takes a lot of time, uh, especially when you're um, learning it from scratch and you don't really know anybody in the cigar business. Um, right. You know, like printing bands is actually, you would think that that would be something kind of like uh, logical. Well, I mean, I would like go like to my local printers and be like, hey, can you print something that looks <laughs> like that? And they're like, yeah, not so much. And I would go to like hundreds, I'd send samples of bands and, you know, buy the cigars at the time and go, Hey, can you make a band that looks like this? No, it turns out that that's kind of a specialized thing. Um, and, and you know, just everything. I mean, I remember, uh, box burns. I didn't know how you get a burn on, uh, on wood and how you would, a cliche as they call it. <clears throat> As, as they call it in the industry, right. And uh, so I found a company, like on the internet, I was just digging, I found a company in um, uh, New England. I can't remember the state, maybe it was Massachusetts or something. And was, the company's name is Schwertle. And it's kind of funny story because, um, yeah, it's a funny story. So I, I, did, I had no idea how to make this thing. And they said, well, you know, you can make a cliche or, a, uh, you know, a, a plate a burn plate and uh but you need to have this iron that hooks up to a drill press and that gets heated by electrical cord and so i was like oh okay you know and then uh you know i i, I had all this stuff sent to me and um uh yeah it's quite heavy the, the entire setup is quite big and and uh you know so i go okay well next time i go down to nicaragua i'll put this thing in my uh in my bag and uh so I put it in, well, actually I put it in my buddy's bag because it was all metal and I didn't want him to check it in because I didn't want it to break. And that wasn't a good idea for him because it ended up getting him on like the TSA watch list for a couple of <laughs> years. But uh, <laughs> we went down there and, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're burning this thing at this little factory, little box factory, uh, this guy named Roberto down there. And um, I didn't know that if you'd just gone to some of the bigger you know, production houses, they already had the equipment to do such a thing. Uh, it, so, you, you know, just kind of doing everything from scratch. And I, I remember telling Steve Sacco this story like um, several years later. And uh, he goes, yeah, it's, he goes, that's really weird, man, because uh, we actually use that same company to do the Liga Pravada box burns. I was like, oh, really? I was like, oh, I just kind of came across that. I had no idea that that would, uh, that, that, uh, that that would kind of be the acceptable uh, company to do such a thing, you know. What what, what what was your background? What were you doing? What were you doing at the time? You're an IT guy. I mean, what, yeah. so you have your own company or do you work for a company? A little bit of both, yeah. Um, I, was, uh, I worked for hospitals. Uh, at that time, I was working in uh, server administration. So I was, uh, uh, you know, managing a large group of uh, – a large amount of, uh, you know, Linux and, um, uh, windows servers. Um, and, and probably at the same time, I was just transitioning to, to, uh, kind of a similar field network engineering. I also had a, uh, a cigar, uh, not a cigar company, a um, software company, um, programming custom software for some educational, uh, 
uh, institutions here in uh, in California. So I was just kind of hustling and, uh, you know, making, I was making decent money uh, with my software company and that kind of allowed me to venture out and, uh, and, uh, and, and make cigars and, and try, try to at least make some product that, or one product or one cigar that I can get on the shelf somewhere. So this is why I want to ask every guy like you that I come across, okay? Because I, I, I understand the passion of liking something to a passionate point, right? So um, I understand a lot of the consumers who are really passionate about cigars, want, and not just passionate, like enjoying it. Like they want to learn about it. They want to know how it grows, what tobaccos grow in what region, what leaves go with what, what would blend well, how it would age well. And, you know, I'm a little, I'm, I'm kind of that way about food. I love food. I love learning about good food. I love fine dining. But never once in my life did the thought of me saying, I want to open up a restaurant ever come into my head. Right? I mean, yeah. what point do you say in, in your mind, okay, I love this. Now I want to venture into this business, especially when you're already in what sounds to me a very successful business. Yeah. That you decide you want to take on, okay, well, I'm going to get in the cigar business because I really like something. How does yeah. that progress of evolution of thought process happen? Yeah, no, no, you're right. And, uh, you know, after having been in the cigar business for a bit, you know, maybe if I told my prior self uh, about the business, maybe I wouldn't make the decision <laughs> or, or whatnot. But, uh yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's maybe a little bit of a sickness, you know? Um, you, I, I think like my personality type, I mean, that's why I got into IT really is because it, it, it kind of provided me something that I could, uh, really delve into real deeply. And, and to be quite fair, um, I've always kind of been, uh, attracted to like products that are, uh, handmade, uh, and that you can buy on the shelf. Uh, for what I consider to be relatively inexpensive. Uh, you know, you can buy a cup of Starbucks coffee for, for three or four bucks and you can buy a premium cigar, maybe not in California for three or four bucks, but you can certainly buy one for five or six bucks, up to 10 bucks maybe. And it, it always kind of um, fascinated me that uh, the, those products could be handmade in a foreign country and go through all they, they would go through and, and that you could enjoy that as a, a consumer. Um, and so, you know, when I got into it, I really thought, well, I really need something that I can do and kind of get into and focus on for a long time. And, and what I mean by that is like maybe 20 or 30 years. And, you know, when I uh, uh, and, and perhaps when I am uh, and something that I can continue to do till, you know, till I'm very old, hopefully. And, um, cigars kind of checked a lot of boxes. It also checked a lot of, uh, boxes for, it allowed me to kind of work on a lot of different things, branding it, uh, you know, in, in, in software and computers. I never really went into any branding or marketing stuff. And I've always been interested in that. So it allowed me to do that. Uh, it allowed me to learn about retail. I've never worked in a retail setting, uh, uh selling products or, uh, things that were, um, you know, consumer based. And so it allowed me to venture into that. And so a, there are a lot of things about the cigar industry that kind of build some, you know, personal things, uh, that I wanted to experience in life. And it just kind of all coalesced at the same time. 
Um, so that's, yeah, long answer to maybe a simple question. It was, well, it wasn't a simple question, but it was a good answer. I mean, you know, sickness kind of covers a lot of why I think we do things sometimes in life. Um, right. We have to take a short break, but uh, to all our fans out there, stick around. We're going to have more with Ian. We're going to find out about more about his cigars, where they're made, what they consist of, what kind of people would like them, where you can find them after the break. And of course, always our buddy, Coop, William Cooper, will be on an hour too. Stick around. Keep it lit. Hola a todos, mi nombre es Elmer Suárez de la Flor de Copán en Honduras. My name is Ernesto Cranwinkel and I'm from La Romana, Dominican Republic. Hola, mi nombre es Diana, soy de Manizales, Colombia. Días, Freddy Molina desde Estelí, Nicaragua. Hola amigos, saludos a todos. María Santis, orgullosa de ser puertorriqueña. Cheers, I'm Oliver, I'm from London, England. I love H. Uman Añejo. My favorite H. Upman Dominican cigar is the H. Upman Banker. My favorite H. Upman cigar is the Herman's Batch. Favorite H. Upman is the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Mi cigarro favorito is H. Upman Española. I highly recommend you try the H. Upman 175th anniversary, awarded number 10 cigar of 2019. One world together with H. Upman. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Welcome back to all our loyals, listeners, and libertarians and lovers of the leaf. Honest Abe here, episode 401 of KMA Talk Radio with the crew. Alex Devell and Paul DeGracco in, uh, in-house today. Being featured is Ian Reith of Gapper Cigar Company. Ian, once again, thank you for joining us this morning on KMA Talk Radio. Um, he's, he's not, out, he's not, I, he's, it's Ian. He says Ian, Ian the right sorry, way. Ian, sorry. <laughs> um, but Ian. He's not a movie star. <laughs> um, Dapper Cigar Company. I think Kurt Kendall had that question. You know, so you want to start a brand. How, how did you come up with Dapper? What was the motivation behind naming the, this company you're, you're going to start? You're going to put a brand out there in the world. How'd you pop with Dapper? Yeah, you know, uh, no great revelations there. Uh, pretty, I'm pretty poor at naming things. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I certainly don't have a, uh, you know, a Cuban last name, which tends to help. Um, wasn't, there's no, uh, you know, very uh, intricate story from my great-grandfather or such. So... Uh, you know, we just kind of went with something that was. Did that you was feel? Did you feel that was going to be a hurdle for you? Yeah, not having yeah, a background, absolutely. not having history, not having a story. Did you feel yeah. in the beginning that this is going to be something I really, really have to try to overcome? Oh yeah, yeah, and still to this day, uh, you really do. It, uh, you know, it's it's. There's a lot of battles to try to get uh, people to trust you. I mean, I remember going on the road in Northern California. It's like. Man, brutal. Try to go out there and sell cigars uh, to retailers, brick and mortar retailers, and uh, you're 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 nobody, and you certainly don't look the part. It's it's pretty it's pretty tough game, and um, uh, yeah, I, I did feel that was a that was a big problem. Still do in some respect because you know it's it's a little less out here on the west coast because we have more um, brick and mortar uh, buy-in over here, and we we have a little time over here. But you know, when I speak to a lot of uh, a lot of the world. It, 
haven't tried our products or, or they're not for sale in their, their area, then yeah, we, we have a little bit to overcome and that, that certainly plays a part. I'm sure if I were to sell cigars in Southern Florida, it's, uh, you know, you guys are basically the bastion of, uh, of cigars down there. And uh, a lot of the old families are, uh, either in Tampa or Ybor city or Miami. And, uh, you know, if you don't have one of those heritages, it's probably quite difficult to get buy-in from, uh, from, from consumers there. So how did you, um, how have you overcome that? I don't know. I'm still working on it. Yeah. He's, he's still working <laughs> on it. He's probably overcoming it, but so how'd you come up with the name Dapper? Yeah. So I was living across the street from a guy, uh, that was uh, at the time, um, focusing on old school, you know, haircuts and whatnot. And I had finally just printed our first bands that were from the Kubo product. And, uh, and he looked at it and said, that's a dapper looking band. So, uh, I thought oh, that kind of works. And, you know, you do quick Google search, make sure there's nobody else out there with the same thing. And, um, I also liked where it was positioned. I thought about, you know, from a techie end, if you're going to go to a website, like say you go to your website or whatever, it's a good positioning alphabetically. So if you, you know, maybe we'd get some, some clicks, somebody would click us if they didn't hit the, the Davidoff one, or they didn't hit the, you know, the Drew or something. You're in the same arena. Um, you know, I, maybe I should have started the name with a zero that would have put us right at the top, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how it kind of came about. It was just, uh, it was very, it was not really an original idea for me. Uh, it was just kind of a, a quip by my neighbor. And, um, you know, just kind of at some point, you just pick a decent thing and go with it, right? That's what my grandpa used to say. Sometimes uh, a, a good decision today is better than the best decision tomorrow. So, <laughs> That's good advice, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was referring to that. My, my grandfather on my, my dad's side was uh, kind of a, a war guy, war veteran sort of thing. That was kind of his uh, advice in terms of, uh, you know, uh, going to war. But I always thought it applies to pretty much everything, you know. Sure. So, so where are you ultimately? Where did you end up having your cigars made? Where are they being made? The predomination of our cigars are made at Noxa. Uh, okay. Noxa is owned by um, uh, it's a group uh, of people that own it. Um, I don't know all of the owners, but the predominant owners are the Oliva Tobacco family or Oliva Tobacco Company. Um, and uh, that Oliva Tobacco is the Oliva Tobacco uh, on the growing and agricultural side, not the Oliva Cigar uh, Company. That is. In fact, yeah, well, we've had has a piece yeah, of that. Right? Yeah, he's, he's actually back in December. He just texted me. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, he's down here in Florida six months a year, so he'll be back in December. So hopefully, we'll we'll get him on a stint on, on the show. We missed him last time he was in town because of the whole COVID. Lou Rothman, COVID situation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So from and and he would know better, but from what I understand, Lou, uh, Aliva Tobacco Company, and even maybe some uh, 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 descendants of uh, Frank and Nessa are all uh, owners of that factory this yeah. day. So, so your cigar brand's been out since 2000. I mean, I know you, it says here you started the company in 14, but it took you a, a couple of years to develop the blend. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I started out uh, not making cigars at Noxa. Uh, I started out making cigars with a fellow named Gonzalo Fuentes, uh, who at that time uh, had come away from uh, 
working at Perdomo. And uh, I made some cigars with him, about 10,000 total, 5,000 roughly in the first run and whatnot. And that was the Kubo Claro Maduro uh, blend. And what I had noticed was that most of the tobacco, not all of the tobacco that we were buying, was from Oliva Tobacco. And uh, as I was going down to Nicaragua uh, more and more, uh, I wanted to learn more about the tobacco end of it from them because we're buying it, uh, a majority of our tobacco from them. Either they were growing it or they were brokering it for us. And uh, probably the first two or three years I spent um, with that Kubo Claro Maduro cigar just getting that on the market. And, and literally I was my only sales guy I would just drive around California, uh, uh, just go to the retailers, try to tell them the story, try to get them to buy my cigars. Uh, you know, pretty I mean, be literally the toughest way to do it. Yeah. It, it, sir, I would not recommend it. I don't think you could have picked a harder path. Yeah. It's a uh, soul crushing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I couldn't imagine you walking into my store trying to sell me a cigar out of the blue. I mean, it had to be hard. How do you? How did you not yeah. get discouraged? Uh, well, I had like five thousand cigars in my like. Yes, I, I figured it's going to take me a while to burn through these, and uh, if I don't sell some of these, um, my wife's probably going to be very angry at me. And uh, so I just, uh, yeah, it was very difficult. Uh, it still is difficult in some sense today, not anywhere near what that was, but you know, and part of it, I just looked at it as like a learning experience because like, I, yeah, I never really had a job to where I would sell anything um, at the, you know, at that price, you know, when, when we're talking about selling products, that's, you know, that's much, much, much more expensive, but you really only have to target, uh, you know, one or two customers, um, totally different ball game. Um, and, and I remember I would, yeah, yeah you, you would just, I'd build my list of, uh, store managers and I would talk to a lot of reps on the road, a lot of brokers and became friends with lots of brokers on the road because they're the guys essentially selling most of the product out there and, you know, try to get tips from them. And yeah, you would ask, uh, you, you, you maybe take a broker to dinner and you go, Hey man, you know, what, what am I doing? Right. What am I doing wrong? And they'll tell you, Oh, well, you got to go talk to this guy because this guy, he likes new brands. He'll get behind you. This guy won't. Um, so there's a lot of finagling and a lot of navigating through the, the cigar business. So for the first two or three years, uh, brutal. I didn't go to any trade shows. I just kind of worked California. Uh, California is also a really bad place to start selling cigars. Uh, the stores are very, very, uh, you know, geographically distant. So, if you got two or three cigar store trips in on a day, that's about as good as you can get it. If you were uh, in like a, a, maybe a better area like Texas or something where there's a much higher density of cigar stores, least amount of traffic, uh, less traffic, uh, it's probably, probably a, a bit better for you. Uh, but California is a, is a tough place. It's uh, those first two or three years are really brutal. <laughs> What's the retail spectrum of your, your cigars? Uh, price wise. Yeah, MSRP. Yeah, uh, California's a little different. So in California, oh, no tobacco tax. Just, just what's your MSRP? What, what is it land? Yeah, they pre OTP tax. Uh, pre OTP, it's probably anywhere from nine to fourteen. Oh, depending uh, on the cigar. Uh, yeah, it's expensive. It's not a you know, 
yeah cigar price no and maybe they go to maybe i've seen them it, it really depends if you're keystoning it maybe maybe we come in at about the 850 range on some of the maybe smaller sizes but if we're looking at toros on average across our cigars they're they're probably in the nine to twelve dollar range for the majority of our products yeah now now what do you feel that you created you, know, you went through this process you went down to nicaragua you spent two to three years working on a blend which is an extremely yeah. long, that's an extremely long process um I mean, did it take that long because you were having trouble finding what you liked, or were there problems, or why did it take so long to work on the blends? Well, I mean, just because I, I wasn't down there all the time, I was going down there about once a quarter, um, and so you know, you just when you're not down there and you're learning everything the first time and everything is new, uh, it just takes a long time sometimes, and um, and yeah, I messed up. Uh, a bit. Uh, we used some product that was not good. So we had, uh, we had a batch of cigars that was uh, really bad. And, and, um, you know, the, it, it's just, it just took me a bit. I wasn't down there full time. And uh, I, I, in all honesty, I just tried to kind of get it too right. You know, I didn't, um, I was very hesitant about putting something out that I wasn't 100% on board with. And, you know, things probably took a turn two or three years into it. I uh, was actually looking for Connecticut Broadleaf and um, buying Connecticut Broadleaf with somebody that's not in the industry is very difficult. You're, uh, you're, low, you're a low man on the pole. Yeah, I'm no man on the pole. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're literally no man on the pole, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it was actually through that experience of buying or attempting to buy Connecticut Broadleaf, that I became very uh, good friends uh, with a fellow named Gus uh, Kuda, or Gustavo Kuda. And he works for Oliva Tobacco in Nicaragua. He's their main production uh, manager uh, there. And uh, I had actually gotten his contact from, uh, from John Oliva, uh, from Senior, who responded in, uh, <laughs> ironically, an email and uh, I showed up kind of at Prosa Nixa down there, which is their sorting facility and processing facility in Esteli. And uh, looking for basically broadleaf, not knowing that I really could buy any. But uh, Gus took about 20 or 30 minutes explaining to me just why I can't buy any. Uh, and um, I'm just telling you, no, he took the time and courtesy to actually teach you something. Yeah. Yeah, he told me no. Yeah, three different ways, basically. It was uh, kind of humorous, uh, filled with some explicit, ex explicitives, or I should say. Uh, and uh, ironically, I kind of left a little bit, um, a little bit beat up, you know, when you when you really want to buy a product that you think is going to help you get to the get to a certain profile of cigars, and broadly certainly does. It's got that that. Uh, that unmistakable flavor and aroma and um and but but to be quite frank what gus told me too at the time was you you really need to use other leaf you're not at the point where you should be using broadleaf and that was actually very good advice and uh and what he did was um 
he showed me why I couldn't buy it. And uh, I, I came back to California pretty bummed. And I basically, I, you know, to be honest, I just wrote him a letter. And I sent it to the Tampa office. I just said, hey, I, I really appreciate your time. And uh, you're right. I appreciate the advice. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe one of these days I'll, uh, I'll get to the position where I could, uh, purchase them broadly for you. And that was it. And so I spent the next, you know, six months to a year, uh, out there, continue to sell, continue to try to make new cigars. And, uh, one of these days, you know, I mean, out of the blue, like it had to be a year later, I get a call from Tampa and I'm, I'm actually at a bar. I think I'm having a beer with a, a buddy of mine or something. And, I get a call from Tampa and I pick up the phone and it's like, Hey, Eon, he still calls me, calls me Eon. So don't worry about the Ion I feel so bad now. No, no. He calls me Eon. He goes, Hey, Eon. I'm like, yeah. He goes, this is Gus. I'm like, Oh, this is Gus. Oh, hey, oh, hey, Gus. How you doing? He goes, Hey man, uh, I got your letter. I'm like shit, man. I sent that like a year ago. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I put it in a bottle or something and it, it went over the ocean and, uh, uh, he goes, hey, he goes, you know, um, I got your letter. It was very nice. He goes, do me a favor. Next time you come out to Esteli, uh, come out here to leave at the back of the Pro Sonixa, and uh, I want you to stay with me. And uh, I'm going to put you to work and show you a little about tobacco. Because huh. if you're going to go out there selling this stuff, you at least I know what the uh, what you're talking about in a very kind way. Uh, and so I was like, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. So the next time I got on a flight, I hooked up with Gus, and that's been, uh, God, it has to be four years now, and we've been friends ever since. And, um, you know, the Oliva family, uh, everybody at the Oliva Tobacco um, uh, organization, whether it's Trey or John or Joe or whomever, they all kind of really took me in. And... Uh, and they've kind of allowed me to, to make, to take products to the next level, really, by giving me access to a ton of tobacco and a lot of education. And, uh, that's what's allowed me to make the cigars we're making today. And so that was kind of the turning point in, uh, in the business. Okay. So you only have about 175 shops now after about four or five years in the industry. And like I said, you took a really like the worst path trying to go out and sell himself because, you know, the typical move here is to align yourself with these brokers who already have the ins with major retailers that they service already to hopefully get your stuff through the door. Have you gotten to that point yet? Or are you still driving shop to shop? Yeah. Yeah. We, we have um, four brokers and we just this last year hired our first inside sales rep uh, for the Southeast mid Atlantic. Uh, a guy named John Graves, but yeah, the, we, we, we have brokers and I'll be honest with you, even, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, naysay brokers per se, but, uh, that's a tough business as well. I mean, just because you end up getting in with a broker doesn't mean, uh, our product is put in front of the retailer. Um, you know, oftentimes these brokers have, uh, several brands and what we found is that, you know, uh, that merely having the broker does not in any way translate to uh, our success or growth. It's really about being with the right brokers. And it's about, unfortunately, 
you have to have a broker that wants to help you build your brand. That's hard to find. That's you very, very difficult. You're still a low man on the pole. Oh, yes. You know, you're very the well. company. You know, you're the, you're the last one he wants to show a, a cigar shop because he's already making money on these other brands very well. So, Correct. yeah, it, 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 listen, it's, it's, it's a tough hill battle. But, you know, yeah. you, you talked about going down to Esteli every three or four months and you have this other job. How much of your how much of your time, percentage wise, are you spending on Dapper Cigar Company? Uh, today, a lot. I spend probably half my time on it. Uh, I work a lot. You know, I work really long hours, and I, I, I try to hustle as much as I can. Um, but yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's I'm trying to get more and more help. My wife does the paperwork now because I've been overwhelmed by that. We've hired you know bookkeeping and. And thus, you know, we, we, we brought on more people to alleviate the load. We, 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 we hired our first inside sales thing, which is a, uh, salesperson, which is very, very big for us. Uh, the large capital investment. Um, but yeah, I'm spending about half of my time every day doing it. Uh, I love it. Um, it's, it's not, you know, I'll be honest with you. It's not by any stretch of the means as profitable as other parts of tech or any part of tech, I should say. But uh, uh, but it, it certainly is something that I like. I love growing. I, I like having something that's kind of mine, and I like growing that, and uh, it's it's been kind of fun. And this, this year's been, the last two years have been kind of a whirlwind. We've kind of grown a lot faster than I ever thought because my expectations were based on just going store to store and selling. Do you feel that you're, uh, I like to quote Mr. Wonderful, uh, but do, do you feel at this point that this business is still more of a hobby for you than a business? No, no. I mean, the, uh, it, the, if it was a hobby, I would have dropped it. Um, because, uh, <laughs> I don't think, you, you know, most, it would be like, uh, you know, getting beat up for fun. Right. You're like, yeah, it'd be fun. Let's go. Everybody can, uh, it, 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 you have to love the business and you, but you have to be, uh, I think in this business, one of the difficult things to struggle with is the business end of it, because, uh, that is very important. You have to, uh, you know, you have to make money, you have to be profitable, but also, uh, we exist in a very volume driven, low margin business on the whole. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, it's funny cause when I watch with Mr. Wonderful from, uh, Shark sure. Tank, yeah. yeah, his saying is always, uh, the one that always I laugh about is, uh, you know, if you don't make X amount or if you're not profitable after two years, you got to take your business out back and shoot it. Right. And, uh, that's very it. Well, I yeah. mean, one, one of the things they often do, especially when somebody says, well, I got another job, you know, this is like, you know, I, I put half my time into this. Like they typically won't invest because you know, it's it's look. I mean, you know, it's very hard to do any business that you're not fully into, you know, because it just, especially in the growing years. I mean, I I could step away a little bit from my company. My company will still roll. Will it roll as good as when I'm here? Probably not. Um, will it evolve as well when I'm not here? Probably not. But I'm at, I'm at the stage of my career where the machine will roll with or without me at this point. You know. Um, but in the early years, man, it's like, 
all in 120%. So I, I, I struggle and try to even imagine what it's like trying to build a company. And, yeah. you know, you have this other thing that, you know, you say, well, I, 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 I can still only put 50% of my time in. It, it's it's got to be hard. Yeah, it's tough. But I, I'll say that one of the good parts about it is that, um, uh, you, you, you know, part of the reason why I've done it part time is that I've, I've never wanted to take money from people, investors wise. And, uh, I just have a hard time. Uh, I've been offered, uh, quite large sums of money, but I never felt comfortable with the idea of borrowing money from people because it, it just didn't set well with me. Like I, maybe I respect it too much per se. And I feel that when I have to make the money myself, it requires me to be uh, judicial about how I spent it. And um, it just feels, you know, maybe it's just a small mindset that I'm in. I just feel like if I earn the money and then I build this with my own money, that, uh, that it's going to mean more and that I'm going to be more attentive to everything. And so, but I, I definitely do understand your point. Uh, in that, uh, yeah, I, I do think at some point, uh, you know, you have to be 110% all in on something uh, to get maybe the maximum value on it. In the cigar business, I think probably why a lot of companies uh, fail initially is because there just isn't any money on the lower end. The, uh, the business is very difficult from a margin perspective uh, to actually net profit and to actually grow. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I kind of wonder if I was 110% in, if I would be even, you know, doing this anymore because I might, after the first two years, go, I need to take the dog out back and shoot it, right? Or whatever the wonderful <laughs> thing is. All right. Wow. I, re I, respect, I respect that, having to do it on your own and wanting to do it on your own. Uh, I, can, I can absolutely... I can absolutely respect and, and understand that. Uh, I mean, we've definitely we definitely have some listeners that have tried the cigars that enjoy the cigars. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that we're that we're seeing here. What we were talking about? You have a recent new release or the newest release? What what is that cigar? Yeah, uh, we have a cigar that we came out with uh, called Desbelito, and uh, it's a purple uh, purple bandage. I'm smoking one right now. I don't know if you can see that. Uh, and that one just came out. We just uh, we just started shipping this one um, probably about um, a month ago, maybe three weeks ago. And uh, it's taken quite a long time, uh, you know, to go through the process and make these things. And uh, it's been very, very, it's the, you know, I'll be honest with you. It's the first time we've ever been in a situation as a company that we don't have enough product for everyone. And um, it, it's weird because, you know, some of my uh, colleagues and people that I associate with uh, in the industry, you know, some of them are very, you know, their products sell very, very well. And they're immediately back ordered on certain things, et cetera. Uh, and so, but this product is the first product that we ever uh, put out to retailers, you know, a couple months before we were going to ship. And we said, hey, you know, if you guys want to pre-order it, you know, we'll, we'll let you guys pre-order it. And uh, we oversold by like twice, and I couldn't believe it. I was almost like, uh, 
like this can't is this right like you know you start seeing the orders coming you're like that, that's not possible <laughs> like that <laughs> Something's not right. doesn't say, yeah and we almost thought about not releasing it because we literally couldn't fill half of the orders and we made a lot of the product i mean you know as i said our first batches were five thousand i mean we made almost 28 or thirty thousand of these in the first run and uh i never thought we'd have a situation where i would have to basically uh you know back order things initially when we hadn't even received the product so it's a long felt, way a thousand cigars right what's that that's a long way from asking for your first thousand cigars <laughs> yeah yeah i would i you know and then you start to get you know a little antsy because you're like oh my god what do these things suck you know <laughs> You start, you know, second guessing yourself because, you know, I, I mean, honestly, it's the first time it's ever happened in in the uh, in the history of we've been doing this. So uh, it's very flattering. And we're super, you know, it, it amazes me to this day that people uh, can say such nice things about the product. You know, so now you yeah. you started in 2014. Were your product was your product on the market in 2017? I. Uh, yeah, so if are you referring to like the FDA stuff? That's what I'm saying. So you actually have a predicate brand. Yeah, so that's yeah. A, that's a big thing. Yeah, so what happened is when the predicate uh when some of this FDA stuff came out, it was a real uh gut check for whether or not I wanted to continue to even do this. Um and at that time I'd started working with uh, the Olivas and I hired attorneys and there were very little was known. And at the time it was like, look, either you got to get a bunch of stuff kind of softly to market. It may not be the right blend and it may not be the right products, but just import them into the country and get these things in and registered so that you could even have a shot at uh, surviving and uh, so initially, we made a bunch of things in a bunch of sizes with the with the names we imported in the country, sold them to some friendly retailers, with the hope that that would qualify for for this for being a predicate or I don't know it's not a grandfather status, but but certainly before 2017, I guess it was February 2017. So we 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 kind of played catch up, and then really it wasn't until we saw. Uh, this last ruling that it gave us a whole new hope, or at least myself, it gave me a whole new hope that hey, let's uh, let's keep keep going and see if we can get more product out there. And um, uh, for the last three years has been a little difficult because we've been very squeamish squeamish about going outside of what we'd initially registered with the FDA. Cool. Awesome. There's a there's a closer shot of the uh, nice. Nice. Though. Now, if somebody wants to find where your cigars are available, yeah, I, they are. We because he's got another three letter name like me, right? Because now I got Ian, Ian, Ian in my head, and, and, and <laughs> I'm another one. I got a three letter name. I've been called Abe, Ab, uh, Ab. You know, it's, yeah. it's 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 these three letter names, right? <laughs> but Where's the URL that people can go if they want to figure out where they can find your cigars? 
Yeah, uh, they go on our website, dappersguards.com. They go to retailers. We try to keep that list uh, semi uh, up to date. Um, and then, you know, uh, yeah. It's that staffing, right? Semi. I'm sorry? I said it's that staffing, right? People need to update the site, right? It takes time. So it's semi up to date. Yeah, it's semi up to date. We, we, we try to update it once a week or so, but, you know, oh, we, we've been bringing on a lot of retailers. So, um, it's uh, it's been interesting, yeah. Well, good. Paul's uh, is is uh, it's that time is is a coop around. It is that time. Are we gonna guess? Are we gonna guess where is Coop? Yeah, where where in the world is uh, is William Cooper right now? Where is Coop? San Diego. I say he's in the living room lounge. I'm going for the library. And let's see if any of our listeners have any comments. Where do you think Coop is? Where is Coop today? This should be a game every week. (laughs) Actually, we probably can make it into. He needs more variants because I only know four. Yeah, right, right. All right, so uh, Randy Bush is saying he's in the parlor. Chrissy is. I think that's what I'm calling the parlor, right? The living room lounge, the parlor. Yeah, 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 that's the yeah. parlor. I'm in the parlor this week. Wow, Alan Rubin really – oh, Jesus, we just lost Coop. He just Of course you did. Now, 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 of course – He's switching it. He's switching gonna, it up. It's going to be, it's gonna be something be, new. Because he, he just disconnected himself. <laughs> He's he switching it up. Alan uh, Rubin uh, – who cares what Alan Rubin said? What did Alan Rubin say? Uh, the fake Alan Rubin, by the way. He said uh, on the side of the road because uh, Coop had car trouble that he posted on Facebook. Here's Coop. He's coming in now. Right. They're saying in the studio, Casey is saying. So we have a we have a lot of guesses. All right, here we go. Where is Coop? Coopa Loop, where are you at? What's- I'm in the uh, studio, garage. a.k.a. Garage. Garage? Garage. That, I was going to say garage. That was, that was it. Yeah. But, uh, that's, yeah, that's we're still... We're still a cigar st- coupe banner. We're still... Yes. Uh, we're, we're doing heavy investigation into some of the uh, streaming problems we've had. So we're going to stay here at least until we isolate what the problem is, unfortunately. Is, so it's not just the quality of the Wi-Fi? No, no, we're not getting what we're paying for, is what uh, I'm been told. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you guys were very helpful after the show last week, so we're... The old dupe-de-dupe, they duped you, man. They dropped well, the well, my, they tell you. Well, my son knows a lot more about the stuff than is uh, been on the war pass. Uh, it's been holiday week, unfortunately, so we haven't been able to resolve it totally yet. Wow. But, uh, yeah, it's how's it going, Ian? The audio's still a little, a little clicky. Yeah. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying. So what's the scoop, Coop? It actually was a busy news week, considering it was a short week. And um, I'll kind of kick it off. This was kind of, I would say, not the biggest secret going around. I was starting to hear about it at the beginning of the week. But um, there was a press release that came out yesterday from Miami Cigar and Company. And the press release... Basically, what it said is Miami Company is going to be going through a restructuring of its sales force, and there's going to be changes. What they didn't say basically is salespeople were being let go, 
that's you know and um what I've been told is a large amount of their sales force uh is being let go as of January first. Um so that's a huge announcement oh, wow. coming from them right now. Miami cigars, huh? Yeah, yeah, I just saw that yesterday. Yeah. I missed it. Yeah, so um I mean it's there have been I've gotten at least three people who confirmed they're gone. Uh, you know, it's not something you can call up and say who's been let go because there's HR issues, but I have been told it's a large amount. The sales force is a major restructuring of the business model coming in January, and we're going to have to see what all that means and how it's going to flush out. Um, as you know, Miami has uh, they distribute their own brands. Most notably, people know uh, Nestor Miranda, Tatiana, Don Lino, uh, and they're also the U.S. distributor for La Aurora and Toscano. So now, without with a reduced sales force, what does it mean? Are they going to go in-house? What's going to happen with those relationships? There's a lot of unanswered questions right now uh, that we're going to have to wait and see. With. But let me ask a question about brands like Toscano and Tatiana and, and stuff like that. Abe, are those are those just like staples that you always have in there anyway? Like does it does a – does a sales rep necessarily like upsell you on those products or are those just staples that you would always have anyway? Listen, there's, in, in today's environment, there is no staples. I mean, what staples, what sells? I mean, there, there's a handful. I could count on my two hands of what I would consider like staple brands that any legitimate cigar shops got to have. Otherwise, I don't really? know. Okay. Them, right. Okay. But, but you know, the relationship with, with the reps and the buyers and it's more, more so the guys that work the floor every day. You know, I mean, I, I seldom talk to a rep anymore because I got buyers that do that. And their dialogue, unless we're planning a big release or a launch or something special, is more relevant with my guys on the floor who interact with the consumers all day. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that that's interesting move. And I didn't hear about it. I missed it yesterday. So I, that's, you know, it's typically a sign of some internal turmoil, you know. Yeah. Uh, Either a power move or something, and and and, and um, I, 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 it's not a, in, in my opinion, it's not a good sign. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them in twenty twenty one. Yeah, Abe. I mean, I, I would agree a thousand percent on that. And you know, obviously, something like that. You know, Miami and Aurora relationship has been one that's been around years. I mean, that's a very strong relationship. I can't see La Aurora signing off on a move like like this without, like, they would have to sign off on such a move or something's going on internally uh, with those relationships. Where well, you know, maybe, it's funny yeah. because La Aurora basically, as far as I'm concerned, is kind of non-existent. They kind of let Miami run it here, and I'm pretty sure in the, in the Leon family, you know, their premium cigar division is like, you know, the scraps on the floor of a dinner table, right? So when you consider the conglomerate of what that family owns and possesses, but you know, maybe they want to get more involved. Who knows? You know, maybe now they, they want to be have involvement. It's, it's, it, it, to me, this is the news of some kind of really internal conflict that's, that's going on. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree that, um, this, you know, there's got to be more play here. Like when you make a, that's a major change you're making right now. But whether it's whether it's COVID, I don't, I can't say this is all COVID driven. I really can't. There's got to be more to it, is what I'm saying with that, to make such a move. Yeah. I mean, we saw this with Lafleur earlier in the year, but they, 
they kind of just reduce the sales force. And, and the, I, I can see smaller sales teams becoming more of the model in the next couple of years. That I, that I can see. Well, my my sorry, my opinion on on that happening is, I think people are going to get a little delusioned because they think they got away with certain things during COVID. They think that this is how it's going to be, but I think the companies that keep the sales force and continue to work with the stores in the years to come will find that they'll maintain more real estate and the relationship. Yeah with the people on the floor and the companies that think, oh, this is the new way, you'll find them starting to get eaten up and losing space in store shelves. Because at the end of the day, that relationship is important and it won't be done through a Zoom call and it won't be done through a conference call. I mean, I know that the reps come in and they influence my floor team, but I'm all right with it. Yeah. I mean, we sell their product. They're, anybody I buy from, it's, 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 it's a partnership. They want to sell me their product, and they want me to sell their product, so I order more, right? It's the way the synergy works. So, and and the people who think that, oh, we'll just, you know, take orders or whatever, I, I believe long-term it, it's a bad strategy. I, I've been in the Charlotte market, Abe, for 12 years, and I've seen sales reps come and go. And and I've seen the sales rep changes. Suddenly, the, you know, if, if the new rep is not showing up at the store, that product is slowly disappearing from the shelves. Yep. And, and it's a fact. Um, and that's how it is in this, at least in the Charlotte market. It's what I, I've seen brands that are, like, invisible right now um, because of that. And other, I've seen, Yeah, and I've seen the other way. I've seen brands resurrected because of sales reps invested in, in into the territory. Um, it's interesting because La Aurora is a brand that was on the rise in, in the Charlotte market the last few years because we hadn't had that representation. Um so it's going to be very interesting to see that. I've seen brands get kicked out of, dropped from shops because a simple sales rep change. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Where, I, where, I, they, where they, listen, it's nothing, it's not a move I would ever do because that's not a business move, right? But I've seen guys that were so loyal to their guy, the rep, that when the company changed a sales rep, they, they said, oh, well, we're not buying that brand no more. And, you know, look, I, I don't make that as a business person because I've been on the other end of that where I've let people go. Like, I've let a store manager go, and my patrons would – because they don't see what goes on the backside, the suffering that we're going on. Right, right. They just see the guy that greets them and says hello every day. But meanwhile, he's he nice for every day. Nothing right. that balances, products, you know, they don't see that. So, you know, I, I, as a business person, that I never would make that move. But – um yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Look, there's something that's just truthful in the cigar industry. And it's a lot of what some of these bigger companies who have acquired retailers who have sold, sold their businesses have kind of learned the hard way. Because, and I've said this before, I probably said it on the air, um, we're not a business like a um, sports authority or a public or any of these chains, chains where – you could literally take every employee overnight, switch them in two different locations so that everybody was new the next day and 99% of the people that walk through the door won't even know. Yeah. We're not in that industry. It's very hard to acquire. If someone acquired my shop, my stores, our, you know, my business, and wiped out my staff and bought in all new people, they would destroy 
what was part of what is smoke in, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that they don't connect. So the relationships in, in what we do in my, our industry is still a very, very relevant and, 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 and a, a, a necessity still as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, totally. Totally agree with you on that, Abe. Interesting news. What else you got, yeah. Coop? Um, this was another no surprise news, uh, but uh, if you if you're following, uh, another cigar festival got canceled. Uh, the Habanos Festival in Cuba has been canceled. Uh, kind of find it a little humorous that no one say they're canceling these things because of COVID. Uh, the, the words used are it's being canceled because of global context. So uh, the Habanos Festival usually takes place at the end of February. So, you know, we're starting to see, obviously, the festivals. Obviously, Great Smoke is going virtual. Pro Sabor in Nicaragua. We're still waiting to hear on Pro Cigar in the Dominican Republic. So, obviously, another big event has been canceled right now. I'm telling you, it, it, it makes me feel a whole lot better, the decision we had to make literally like right. two months ago. Every week makes the decision easier. I mean, because literally, you know, in Florida, outside of wearing masks, like, People are pretty much living normal. Things aren't as populated, you know, and, and, and it's full. But, you know, when I look at other parts of the country, my brother just came to Orlando for Thanksgiving. And he was just like, dude, I can't believe it. We're going out to restaurants. We're dining in. It's like Chicago's like living like, you know, and like it's a war zone over there. So, um, you know, we're a little detached. So we had to really think on a national scale how things were going to be affected. So we're comfortable with the decision we made. We made, we're working hard, and, and um, we're going to try to make history and make the Great Smoke 2021 one of the most incredible events this industry's ever seen. And if you're out there and you're listening and you haven't got your ticket, I don't know what you're waiting for. Go to thegreatsmoke.com. Get your party in a box. That alone is probably the best holiday gift you can get anybody, and it's a steal. The only downside is, is that it won't come till February. But there are 40 top-notch premium cigars, none of our house brands, no fillers, and all that there, and probably some extra stuff by the time we start shipping them. It's delivered to your door for $169, and then you get to still be part of an epic event on February 20th. So praying every day we pull it off. Absolutely. Yeah, Abe, are you concerned about maybe, like, because Drew Estate canceled the barn smoker because they were going to have to have a large amount of staff in one place. Is that any concern you're having that, if you have to have a large amount of staff pull this event off, is that something that could affect things? Well, the, it's not really a large amount of staff. Um, it's 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 a limited crew, and and the largest people will be about the fifty people that we'll have in the live audience. Um, and you know, we're not really that concerned um, as far as if look, we don't know the state of what it's going to be um, come February. I mean, hopefully vaccines will start hitting the country, you know, December, January. Um, but, you know, I urge anybody who feels threatened or feels, you know, they're, they're at any kind of risk, stay at home. I mean, yeah. you're going to get great production quality, watch it at home. But, you know, we have people I know, because when we did the live studio audience, like my whole mind is like the Tonight Show thing. We said we got to have somewhat of a live audience. So even if we yeah. live in we space, I, I agree. whatever it is. That's going to make the feel of what's going to make it different from everything else that's been out there. So we, we always had that in the back of our heads um, to have a live audience, and even we had to do it safer. But um, we, 
I just assumed it would be locals. I already know like a half a dozen people who are flying in to do this. I'm like, you know, it's not a normal event. You know, right now there's not four days of stuff going on. You're going to fly. They're just excited because they believe in the vision. They've gotten it. They want to be part of this historical event. And like I said, I know like half a dozen people who are flying into this event, which I think is amazing. Oh, yeah, cool. I think that, that is real exciting uh, what, what you're doing. Um, like I said, uh, you know, I think I think virtual events are ready to be taken to the next level in the cigar industry, and, and this is certainly plan vision I think is going to be great. Well, this is the hardest part, Coop, because um, it's hard to explain it. It's never been done before. So I, I, I think a lot of people just don't even comprehend what, what is it really happen until after it's over, you know, so. Yeah. The constant talking and selling and, and explaining of what's going to happen is is more relevant this year than ever. Yeah, see, I've been a little critical of some of the replacement virtual events that I've seen in the cigar industry because, to me, they just seem like Zoomcasts. Like her, Zoom That's what they are. Everyone. They're awful. They're just right. Zoomcasts. But, 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 right, and what I've heard with your vision, there's an entertainment aspect that's going to be brought in here. And and that's always when I think what KMA has been about and what the Great Smoke's about, and I think that's going to be that's I think your difference maker there that you're going to see as opposed to just having, you know, so and so from a brand on to talk. You know, I think there's there's a huge difference. Is what plus production plus the production. Paul, I, I know as much as everybody else out there. Paul, uh, I think you a picture of you can get it up when you can. Listen, okay, it's not just it's it's the depth, right? So we're having these sets built. And we hired a real deal production team. I mean, these guys have done the Golden Globes, Kings of Comedy. So, you know, the whole thing is to take this Tonight Show concept with a little telethon concept, a little QV concept. And, you know, if we pull it off, it'd be really cool. We, but we do have entertainers. we got some industry legends that are going to be live in the studio. Um, each of one of these who have really been commissioned to make a awesome TGS limited release from them. So, um I, 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 my only fear, and like you know better than anybody, Coop, is to have a technical issue. You know that. Yeah, yeah. That's well, not, if if you got a production crew there, there there's probably... the, there's the official mock-up of the set. Holy cow! Oh yeah. So that area to the right is basically all, the area to the right in the back right lower right corner is all electronics. That's where all the editing camera people. Then you got the boom camera. You got the three main three sets to the left, the main set, and to the entertainment set to the right. And then we would have seating for the live audience. So that that is the mock-up of the set area for the Great Smoke 2021. So wow. if you haven't gotten your package, I'm telling you, for $169, you will not find a better deal for an amazing assortment of premium cigars ever. Get yourself the party in the box, and hopefully you could join us on February 20th for and be part of the Great Smoke. That's awesome. And Coop, what else you got? Um, actually, there was a pretty nice uh, couple of star announcements this week. One I think was uh, really cool. J.C. Newman has announced they are uh, revamping its Perla del Mar line and introducing a third blend into it. So Perla del Mar is one of their lines. It's their box press line of Connecticut and Maduro cigar. They're now adding a Corojo release. They have reblended the uh, Connecticut and the Maduro releases. They've tweaked the box press shape a bit on that, and they've given it a whole new look in terms of packaging right now, uh, more of a classic-style packaging. So uh, that's, you know, Pearl of Lamar is, is one line I've always enjoyed by them, and uh, it's, I think it did need a facelift. 
I think it did need a little bit of a shot in the arm. And that is now starting to ship out to retailers as we speak. So J.C. Newman has been having a, a pretty busy year considering everything. Um, Pearl Del Mar is going to be revamped and re-released. Great guys, too. Yeah, I saw that. I did the show that. again. Yeah, yeah, they they are they are um, tremendous family, um, you know they 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 just redid the whole factory right now, and it's like now they're doing a tour and they have a museum there. So I've been there uh, before they did the uh, renovations, and it's it's you know if you're a cigar fan, you got to go there, um, and it's, you know, it's right uh, it's right up the road from you guys a few hours. And finally, uh, a little release that uh, we heard from Hoya de Nicaragua. Um, Hoya de Nicaragua is the latest uh, company with the Joe guys. Uh, they're releasing something called the Cigar Ninjaragua. Um, and it is a uh, Nicaraguan pearl line uh, that really, it's kind of cool. It's this triangular shaped package uh, that they have, this box. They're going to have six cigars. And uh, they are going to be sold exclusively through Smoke In uh, starting next Friday. So uh, nice job, Abe. Uh, there. Um, so uh, listen, all, you know, I show, all I did was say yes. Right. All I did. Was, yeah, let me take some. One, love the name. These guys. Yeah, I do too. I, I I loved it when that was such a great name. These guys got to be some of the most creative. I mean, that's what first attracted me to Eric and, and the dojo when yeah. it first started. Is I was yeah. shocked by the art and the creativity of somebody who I thought had been around forever and he just started doing it. But no, the name is killer. Packaging is cool. Six cigars, odd count, but hey, you know uh, they'll go fast. It works. Yeah, right, right. It works. It's easy to it's easy to get. You know, it's not. But they also a... got. They're giving away another katana sword, a Ninjaragua sword. Um, but yeah, we'll have the, the the sale for that will start Friday, December fourth. Fourth, fourth. Yeah, Friday, yeah. fourth at noon Eastern yeah. Standard Time, and then uh, the, every purchase, whether it's a regular Hoya product during that day at noon, um, or the Ninjaragua. We'll keep tally, and then we have a live Zoom event with the Dojo guys and Drew Estate at seven. At the end of that event, we're going to raffle off that katana, that beautiful blue. You don't katana. have like the red katana. You don't have one of those. You don't have one of those boxes there, do you? Because I can't find a picture of it. Ninjaragua? Yeah. You go to first. You go to cigar cigar coop dot com. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I'll look there. Or cigar I yeah. got some questions for Coop. Okay. Now, Coop, Uh-oh. I'm a boxing purist. As far I am as too. Go, it's right. my first love. And I, I consider you a, a sports purist all right. the way around. I want to know what the hell is your excitement about this farce of a fight tonight? Well, okay. I look this at this farce, like. This farce of a fight. It's not a don't, farce don't of a fight. Tell him, Coop. <laughs> okay, so you got to understand a few things that, first of all, it's. It's an exhibition because the boxing commissions weren't going to sanction this any other way. Right. But it's almost like taking your kids to an old-timers day game in baseball is the way I look at it. You know, you're going to see the old-timers play. It's not the same quality as you're going to see a, um, a, a, a major league game with people in their prime. So I'm looking at it kind of like this. I had some great memories when I was in college of, of Mike Tyson's Saturday Night Fights with my buddies. All 30 Yes. Even that thirty second thing, well, we had a huge party at my my, my dad threw a huge party at the house. Had more time getting ready for the party than the fight. We we had we had, the they party was awesome. My dad threw right. It, these you know I remember when Jason lost to Bust Douglas. Um, 
I remember the it was like right before my wedding, and uh, you know I remember all the guys like the, I, there was like an, it was like after the engage not the engagement there was like a party we had for that, and um, everyone was all the guys were in the basement were watching that fight. We had great memories, so I'm getting a chance to do this with my kids right now who are old enough to to, to see this, so I'm pretty excited about it, right? I. I'm curious to see what's going to happen, but I'm not equating this. This would not be the same in my book as, you know, an, a, 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 champ, a true championship fight. I'm not trying to equate that with it. But it's, it's giving me a little chance to kind of maybe one more time back into my past. And remember, Alex, Rocky, Rocky Balboa fought Mason Dixon in that exhibition. It was a hell of a fight. <laughs> Listen to me. I don't know how you don't get excited about this fight. And all, all, all I want to know is Alex. Yeah. If you were standing with Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. and you were staring eye level at their belly buttons, yeah, would you say this <laughs> parts of a fight? Of course not. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> He's on it. I also want to point know. out. I also want to point out that yes, Rocky Balboa did fight Mason Dixon, who Mason right. Dixon then went on to completely obliterate Roy Jones. In a brutal knockout, just another of my Roy Jones hating spiels. Tarver, yeah, Tarver, played him. Tarver, oh, Antonio Tarver, correct, correct. I, I'm just not excited for this fight. I don't, I don't want to watch two 50 year old guys who are long past their prime. One who I consider completely overrated in his entire career. Just the whole concept of it, you know, they can't. Let yeah, so me ask you something: When Foreman was fighting in his fifties and he was heavy and not lean and whatever. You know, I think when Foreman fought Holyfield, that last one. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I think that was one of the most epic fights I can remember seeing. Uh, what a fight. I mean, yeah, because and, and, and Foreman was and in Foreman that fight. And he, yeah. yeah. And he yeah. was amazing. That was an yeah. epic. The Foreman-Holyfield fight, that last fight, was an epic fight. Yeah. I understand that. I understand that. You know, there's guys who can turn back time. Guys like Bernard Hopkins, who fought up to the age of 48. You were talking about two guys who... In their last, uh, again, not counting the carpenters and electricians that Roy Jones fought, were KO'd <laughs> in like the last three out of their last six fights. And, and with all the debacle, I'd be more excited if they're like, this is going to be a fight. Yeah, it's not sanctioned, but, you know, if there's any semblance of a cut, the fight's over. If it gets a little too rough out there and, and you know, Mike Tyson is trying to take Roy Jones' head off, the fight's over. I, I mean, just everything about it is like, uh, you know, I'd rather watch two guys I never heard of. I'm not really wow. excited for this. Well, if any of our local listeners wants to go and, 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 and rain on Alex's parade, you're going to watch what, in Boynton tonight? I don't know. It depends. where. Let me know where you're going. We're, go, uh, maybe, we're going to West Palm because we're going to have probably, to up there. We're going to be are you? So. I'm just thinking Boynton because it's close but you're gonna to watch home, it. But, but you're, but you're going to watch it, I have Alex. no choice. I mean, it's, it's, watch. It, it, it just happens yeah, to be. I, mean, at the, I would never spend money on it. Not, not a chance. I, I, <laughs> I don't have smoke in near me, otherwise I'd go. I'd come in the watch. Right, free, I but mean, I had to pay for it. Yeah, I had to pay for it. Yeah, you're watch, yeah. Who's, you know, you're gonna watch the train wreck, but you know, oh, you know so you're, there's you're, a moment in that fight. There could be a moment in that fight that we see maybe a little bit of the old Tyson. Yeah, if it doesn't happen in the first thirty seconds of the first round, it ain't happening. No These guys are gonna be gassed. Are you a fight guy? Do you care? Who? Sorry, I was on mute. Uh, yeah, I'm not really a boxing guy, but yeah, I guess I'd watch it. You know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Who don't watch the train wreck? You know. And the fight is I, not I mean, being I, scored. I don't know how. 
It's being scored. It's there's going to be three I, celebrity judges. That, from what I did, it's not being scored yeah, by by. It's by, not. It's not. It's yes. It's you know who the by, judges are? Yes, it's Chad Dawson, Christy Martin, and Vinny Pazienza, three old washed-up fighters. Tasmanian <laughs> Devil. Score. What do you want them to do? Sit around and like? Uh, I mean, yeah. Let them do. They're probably better than the judges that you get for these championship fights. Honestly, I think. You probably get better judging from them. Uh, that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You Alex, know, judging. Are you, are, you, are you a purist and you don't like this because it's more of an entertainment thing than than true boxing? Yeah, I, it's just it's not right. It's not true boxing, and it's like being led up like it's going to be. And there's this I got, like ex- I got news for you: half of Don King's promotional fights wasn't true boxing. So. No, half, but half. <laughs> I was being nice. Don- <laughs> I, was I being mean, nice. listen, I don't know. You know, I come from a rich boxing town. You know, I, uh, this is just not boxing to me. It's some... I, the, the problem I have is I don't know. I don't think there's a big audience for this fight, right? Is there an audience at all? I think there's a nostalgia type audience. There's a curiosity. One thing I've heard, and you know, fortunately, I'm you know, 38. I'm old enough to to have seen Tyson fights live, not there, but you know, watch them as they happened. And you know, I think one of my first memories is Tyson. As far as boxing, losing to Buster Douglas, I remember that. Yeah. Um, and to, even a lot of the guys at the shop, like our, our Boynton manager, you know, he wasn't old enough. He never saw Tyson's fight. So there's a little bit of that as well. People have never gotten the chance to see Tyson in the ring without watching, you know, replays and whatnot. And a little bit of nostalgia. Uh, it'll be interested to see the pay-per-view sales. I don't know. Uh, the undercard oh, is a complete joke and and farce. You know, you got YouTubers fighting on the undercard. Yeah, that 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 is sad. That was I mean, very I'm sure disappointing. Pamela Anderson is past her prime, but I would love to be on a set of a Baywatch reunion. Uh... <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Mike Tyson yeah. is an international superstar. People love him. There are there are people who know that he's a boxer, but only know him from seeing him in The Hangover. It, this is a a complete. It's just a money maker. That's and that's like Mike for my entertainment boys, purposes. Yeah. Right. Well, and here's my thing. I love Mike Tyson. Love him. I loved him as a boxer. I loved when he got himself together and, and he's got a great podcast. He's very. Oh, that podcast is awesome. Yeah. Podcast is fantastic. Hot boxing with Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. He's yep. a very introspective guy. He's probably one of the best boxing historians yep. alive. He really is. The guy is super knowledgeable. But even he talks about himself and says, you know, I don't like the person that I was when I was boxing. I hate that guy. I look at it and, and I look at my fights and I look at myself back then and I cringe. You know, I, I also have this like slight concern that him getting back in this mindset is going to like derail his entire life. We're going to see, you know, drunk and cocaine out Mike Tyson again, which I hope doesn't happen because I really do is like, you know, one of my I, idols I growing up. I don't want that up. to happen to him, but that'll be entertaining. Oh, uh, you know, I kind of have an affinity for the guy. We're born on the same day. I got to kind of... Mike Tyson thing. Oh, you share a birthday? Yes, I share a birthday with Mike Tyson. Wow. Well, I mean, I my my question is, how do you listen to an entire podcast two hours, four hours when it's listen, Mike Tyson and no, Mike listen, Tyson? It is good. He's really good. It is his his podcast is fascinating. He's yeah. introspective. He's talking about. He's not just sitting there talking about previous fights. He's talking about life and his spirituality and and he and he's actually really good. He's a good interviewer and it's an it's an entertaining podcast. It really yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, you get over the mic. I couldn't listen to a few hours of. So here's what I did when I was boxing. No, but that's not it. It's it's yeah. like here's no. you know. He knows the history of the sport. Yes. Like oh, you'd be shocked at his knowledge of the history of the super sport. Super historian. Paul yeah, that's the one. Yeah. 
Paul loves to squeeze his impressions whenever he can. So, so far, right. Show, that's what the, that was just so the segue to Mike Tyson. He's done Morgan Freeman, and I think he's done one more impression this show. I, I forgot. But yeah, Paul loves to squeeze him in. There he is. There we go. Well, he, listen, he likes I'm to hear it. Note. He just unlocked the door. Ooh, can I get a tease? One second. One second. Can I get a teaser on this Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock of the Week, or do I got to wait till tomorrow? Um, honestly, I haven't. I'd give you one if I had one. I have not done one yet. Um, it's just. Uh, it, it, I what about I for this fight? What about for this fight, Coop? Who do you think? I I have the feeling that Bone's gonna win something close. I don't think. I don't think. I just have this because I think the rules favor Roy Jones more than Mike Tyson. I think it's going to go the distance. Of course it is. There's there's no other way. Nobody's going to get knocked out. No one's going to get knocked there's... out in this fight. There's going to be a moment. There's going to be a moment with Mike Tyson in this fight that you'll see a little bit of. I Mike thought they had thing. to get knocked out. Wait, no, how, how, do you, how do you know there won't be a knockout? They can knock. I think if he gets knocked down, it's over. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, if there's a knockdown, it's over. The fight's it, like, like it's a yeah. He, I just I mean, don't think these guys have the juice anymore. You I mean, maybe Mike Tyson could still knock somebody out. Not a, not a trained guy like Roy Jones, who Roy is Jones not going to be really good defensive okay, fight. Hold on. So no, he's a not. Guy who's past yeah. his prime, who you think wasn't as good as he? You don't think he can be knocked out? Now he's too good to be knocked out. I mean, yeah, I think he is. He's he's good enough not to get clobbered by, you know, a slow. All it takes is one good punch in the right spot. Yeah, one yeah this sounds like a signed dollar but bill bet to me. Tyson I'll never take that bet all day long. Yeah. Never Tyson's happened. never come back from being behind in a fight or being hurt. If you know right. Tyson, he's never, True. if he gets hurt or or behind early, he has not come back. That's always been the one thing I think that's hurt his career. Agreed. You know, in terms Absolutely. of some of the grades. Yeah. You didn't see it happen much, but when it did, it was, you know, it was all downhill yeah. from there. No, we'll yeah. see. See who's right next week. Well, yeah, Alex, yep, yeah, good luck, Alex. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, Ian, thank you so much. Dapper Cigars, thanks for coming on KMA Talk Radio. First time yeah, always to have somebody who's never been on before. Anybody who'd like to find out more about his cigars and where you can find them, please check him out at Dapper Cigars. Is that Dapper Cigar or Cigars? Uh, cigars with net. Thank you very much. DapperCigars.com. Make sure you check it out. Next week in the house, former uh, Roma Craft expatriate Danny Vasquez, who I heard an announcement in the last week, he's got a new poem. Is that right, Coop? He is relaunching his brand. Is that what it is? Yeah, he's relaunching his brand. He was making cigars. He had a brand called the uh, uh, the voyage being made at La Aurora. He said he's moving the factory, um, so it's going to be a different blend. Um, so yeah, he is making. You can't keep these guys out of the industry for long. They all come. And, is what I'm say. Very few have gotten out and never looked back. Timmy Eisinger. The first cigar he did was a good. He had a good cigar for a first cigar. It was a very good cigar he released. So he built the following. Yeah. Timmy Paul. Paul with another impression. Right. Paul with another <laughs> Al Pacino, Al Pacino impression. Yeah. Uh, um, Timmy Eisinger left, never came back, and Mike Cusano left and never heard from him again. Those are the two. That, that's the two I could always think of from the top yeah. of my head, real easy. But it uh, should be an interesting show with Danny next week. Everybody else, enjoy the fight tonight. Have a great weekend. Smoke some good cigars, and we'll see you all next week. Keep it lit.
Keep it lit.